0: okay so I invite you to take your Bibles and open them one final time in this series to the book of Revelation chapter 22 you know you've reached the end when in my Bible the very next page is weights and measures table of weights and measures by the way if you're going to be here uh, in the summer Starting next Sunday, we're going to begin a series through the book of Exodus. Um, I'm going to try to give next week just an overview of the book of Exodus before we dive in <clears throat> to the specifics. I'm telling you that now just to encourage you uh, this week, go ahead and be reading the book of Exodus. Even if you're not going to be here, if you want to drop in on the podcast, uh, go ahead and be reading the book of Exodus on your own this week. You'll get a whole lot more out of it um, when we meet together and. And, and think through it. But this morning, we're coming to the finish line of our, our study through uh, this challenging but amazing book. It's taken us almost nine months to do it. We've taken more or less, aside from the letters to the seven churches, we've taken more or less a chapter a week. And I know taking that, for those who are, have been careful students of this book maybe for some time, taking that method of moving through it uh, probably left some questions and curiosities un- unaddressed or unanswered. We shouldn't have the time to look closely into every little detail of this book. What I certainly hope, though, that a, a chapter of the week method has done is given you a, a helpful uh, big picture view of the book. Um, I, think, I think having that, having that just general lay of the land of the book of Revelation, the, the big picture, the main emphases, the basic framework of the book, I think that is probably the biggest key to understanding the book better for the rest of your life. I think you, if, you, if you go into it, if you've never read it before, never studied it, if you go into it and as you read through it, you stop at every little symbol, every little uh, curiosity, you will quickly get lost in the woods and in the weeds. Um, but if you first do that fly over at 30,000 feet, and and see the lay of the land, you'll be better equipped then to go back through it a second time and move more slowly. Um, It'll help you keep those smaller details in perspective. But here we are, final chapter, and we actually dipped into this chapter last week, the first five verses, because it was still, those first five verses are really just part of chapter 21, really, in in the description of the new heavens and the new earth. But for a few minutes, we're going to focus on the rest of chapter 22, just a short period of time this morning Um, because we had a longer uh, announcement time. But uh, we're going to focus on verses 6 to 21. Uh, These verses are pretty straightforward, uh, but there are a few things worth noting in it. Uh, Everything we're going to focus on this morning is not necessarily pertaining to the last things per se, but our truths that are are important to our Christian faith. So let's read it, Uh, verse 6 through the end of the book. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, let the filthy still be filthy, let the righteous still do righteous, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen us pray or just just speaking that amen at the end of just now at the end of that chapter it just reminds me again of, of uh, all that we have seen in this book of the revelation and uh, we want to confess our our faith again and Uh, I knew this morning that we believe that what we just read and all that we have seen in this book of the Revelation to which we applied our Amen, it is your holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible, sufficient, clear, authoritative, and necessary word. And one final time in this study, would you give us eyes to see the truth in these verses in Revelation 22? Would you give us minds to understand it clearly? Would you please give us... Um, hearts to embrace it, wills to obey it. Please give us all ears to hear what the Spirit says. Give me the help that I need to teach. I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, it's a pretty straightforward chapter. There's, um, there's some things I want to bring out of it just in a, in a short amount of time. And, um, and so here, here's what I want us to see if you're taking notes. First, I want to focus on how we see something about the deity of Christ in this chapter the deity d-e-i-t-y of christ that he is god in human flesh we'll say a word about that then secondly the eminence of christ's coming i-m-m-i-n-e-n-c-e eminence of christ's coming well there's two more than one way of spelling that so i want you to get it right um the eminence of christ's coming and then finally the seriousness of the salvation he brings. Um, these are simple truths, but I think one, one's worth... And I'm actually going to... I really am going to try to give you time around your tables this morning. So pray for that. All right, let's think first about the deity of Christ. I see this first in verse 8 when John is given the, 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 the revelation. It's complete now. and he, And it says he falls down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed him the things that he had just seen. And I suppose having received such a an overwhelming revelation, I and mean, if you think back to all that he just saw, I mean we we read about it. He saw it, he saw it in a vision way. I mean if you think about all that he just saw, worship might have seemed at the moment the appropriate thing to do. I mean, just to fall down, who knows? I I, I just wonder what I would have done. But either way, the angel puts a quick stop to it, and in the very next verse he he tells John what no doubt he already knew, and that is to Worship God. Worship God. And 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 when you keep that command in mind, it seems like that from this point on, the emphasis is going to be that Jesus Christ is in fact God who is to be worshipped. How so? We see it, I think we see it in a couple of ways. From Jesus' own mouth, he claims the status of God. We see this in a couple of places. How so? Well, first of all, in this chapter, Jesus claims for himself prerogatives that belong only to God himself. He, and meaning, Jesus in this chapter claims for himself abilities, uh, rights, authority that only belong to God. Where do we see that here? Consider how Jesus presents himself here as the judge over all that is, the judge over all the earth. He says that in verse 12. Look at verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me. To repay everyone for what he has done. To repay everyone for what he has done. And I want to point out that he doesn't say there. He doesn't say, I'm coming soon, bringing my father's recompense with me. He says, I'm bringing my recompense with me, which is the same as the father's. I think sometimes, by the way, just as an aside, sometimes, and it's not incorrect, but I want to... I want to put this in your mind so that you don't accidentally slip into a place maybe you shouldn't go. And now that it, that is, sometimes we, um, at, at least in the songs we sing, uh, we put so much emphasis on the Father that it's almost like He is, He's God, God. And that Jesus is, He's God, but the Father is really God. The Father's wrath was satisfied uh, the, the, yeah, I mean just, but so, uh, the father, I just want to emphasize here that when there are times in scripture and, and it's, it's true for all each person of the, of the Trinity, the triune God, that one person is given, uh, prominence, uh, in, in, in description over the others. So, Sometimes the Father comes to the fore. Sometimes the Son comes to the fore. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes to the fore. And think of Acts chapter, um, it's Acts chapter 5. You, you, you've not, you, you lied to the Holy Spirit. When you lied to the Holy Spirit, you, you lied to God. Um, but, but sometimes all, all I'm saying is I, I want to be careful sometimes when we, we, we sing songs about the Father and we talk about the Father, the Father, the Father, that we, we don't slip into this mindset that somehow the Son and the Spirit are part B of who God is. That they are uh, our God is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, equal in power and glory in eternity. Um, so anyway, Jesus doesn't say, Bill, I'm coming soon, bringing my Father's recompense with me. He says, I'm bringing my recompense with me, mine. Meaning Jesus is the one who, yeah, in this book not only provided salvation, but he's the one who is coming, and with that is the one who will also reward and condemn as he sees fit. We don't have time to go through a detailed review, but it, it's, it's, it's clear throughout the Bible, especially the Old Testament, that, that God alone is the judge of all the earth. Just one example, when Abraham was interceding on behalf of Sodom because Lot was there, he pleads with the Lord God to spare the city, at least while Lot was there. And in and, and pleading with the Lord God, Abraham says, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And here Jesus is saying, that's me. So Jesus is taking on himself prerogatives that belong only to God, that he is the judge over all that is, indicating that he is in fact God. But second, notice of all how Jesus describes himself in the chapter uh, in in other ways that indicate his deity. Namely, he describes his own eternal nature. And and, and that's an attribute and a characteristic that that only belongs to God. Uh, Eternity. He does that in a couple of ways here one. He says in verse 13. I am the alpha and the omega The first and the last the beginning and the end This isn't the first time in this book. He's said this we've we've seen this a number of times throughout this study, but You probably know this but in case you don't alpha And omega are the beginning and the end of the greek alphabet. That is a and z alpha and omega so and, and hence he's saying i'm the i'm the beginning and the end i'm the first and the last I'm the, he he is without beginning or without ending our lives by contrast are over and over again in scripture described in precisely the opposite kind of ways james 4 14 says our lives are a mist and a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes psalm 90 especially says it is wise for us to number our days number them jesus says i'm the alpha and the omega first and the last beginning and the end notice also a second way he does this in verse 16 when he says i am the root of and the descendant, or the offspring. I'm the root and the offspring. I'm the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Not only is, he's not only in his earthly, in his manhood, in his earthly existence, the descendant of David, read Matthew 1, 1, but he is in his eternal nature, his eternal, his divine nature, the root of David. He is before David, and and brought david into being uh i mean jesus said the very thing to the pharisees in matthew 22 but he also in time and space was a descendant of david and that's akin to when jesus told the jewish leaders in john 8:58, before abraham was i am they knew immediately he was claiming to be god which is why they picked up stones to stone him but to wrap up this aspect of the chapter we've seen a couple of different ways where jesus is making certain and in, that he is, in fact, God who deserves to be worshipped. John was enjoined in verse 9 to worship God, and, and God was put on display before him in Jesus Christ following that. He possesses attributes that God only possesses, and he does things that only God does. The deity of Christ is it's, a fit, it's fitting that in the final chapter of the New Testament and the Scriptures, this is an emphasis. But just as strongly emphasized in this chapter as the deity is the imminence of his coming, the imminence of his coming. Let's think about that for a second. The emphasis on this begins right at the outset of our passage in verse 6. Look there again. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, uh, the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. What must soon take place? What is it? what is that in the very next verse he says in verse seven and behold i'm coming soon and the soonness of his second coming is repeated so many times in just these few verses of this last chapter look look down at verse 10 and he said to me do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near It's near, and it just keeps going. Again, he says in verse 12, Behold, I'm coming soon. And again in verse 20, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I'm coming soon. You think that's an emphasis in this chapter? To which John replies, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. Now, there's more than one way that you could understand uh, what he means by this. One way to take, I'm coming soon, time is near, one way to understand that is, 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 is understanding it this way, that from the time that he spoke those words until the time that it happened, it was, it's going to be a short amount of time um, when he returns. And that's certainly a reasonable way to understand, you know, I'll be there soon. That's what we, the way we use that, I'll be there soon. And I'm, I mean, you don't got to wait a long time. But if that's what is meant by it here, it invites the criticism that, Uh, Peter had to deal with in 2nd Peter Peter gave his readers a a heads up um, That because of statements like those in 2nd Peter 3 verses 3 and 4 scoffers will come In the last days with scoffing following their own sinful desires and they will say Where is the promise of his coming? Forever since the fathers fell asleep all things are continuing as they are from the beginning of creation Where is he? He said he's coming soon it's been a minute and of course peter's reply to this is effectively to say that if that is what is meant by i'm coming soon you know it's not we who are to reckon the meaning of of, of the length of time that qualifies as soon god is and to that point peter says in second peter 3 8 do not overlook this fact beloved that with the lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day god defines soon and as peter would say in the next verse what you think is God as God not fulfilling his promise is really his patience for those who haven't repented and believed. But let me back up. I don't believe, though, that the biblical text about the soonness of Jesus' coming is merely about the duration of time before he returns, but rather it carries the sense of the imminence of his coming. That is, he could return at any moment. So, and Again, that's a, that's a byproduct, by the way, of the way we have understood the unfolding of the last things in the book of Revelation. That there's not this prophetic timetable that X, Y, and Z must happen before he, take, before he comes back. No. He could come back at any moment. Um what did Jesus himself say about the nature of his second coming in Matthew 20 Matthew 24 verses 42 to 44 Therefore stay awake for you do not know on what day or hour the, your Lord is coming but know this that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming he would have stayed awake and would, have, would not have let his house be broken into. You, therefore, must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Just a few verses later, in 25, 13, Jesus says, Watch, therefore, for you neither know the day or the hour. I mean, Do you hear the emphasis in those verses? The emphasis is not on the duration of time before he comes, but it's rather on the fact that he could come right now. Stay awake. Be ready. You won't expect it. He could come at any time. It's imminent. It's near, as Revelation 22 says. I, I, I don't view it as I don't view it as uh, start the stopwatch. I rather see it like like if you had a, if you had a balloon and you started filling it up with water, at what point? Is it going to burst? You know, it could, it could happen just almost at any moment. At any moment, it's going to give, and it's going to happen. I mean, we should, that, that's, I think that's what's being communicated with, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon. It's near. It's close to you. Could happen now. And I think, I think we should walk through our days with this mindset. It's about to happen. And we're not guaranteed another moment of time. Let me ask you, like, if you walked through your days and thought it's about to happen, and you get to the end of your days and it hadn't, so what? Right? That doesn't mean that his promise is false, and, and what would it do for you? That doesn't mean that we should go through the rest of our lives and never plan for the future because, oh, he could come at any moment. That's not the point. The point is that what Peter said also in 2 Peter 3 The point is, the press is this, to use Peter's words, what sort of people ought you to be? What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? That's why I say, so what? Because if it did anything, it caused you to live a life of fierce pursuit of holiness and godliness. Because it's true, that leads to the third and final truth that I'm seriously going to leave you guys time for. I love it. Um, the seriousness of the salvation he brings. That's the, the I think that's pressed heavily in this chapter. The invitation is clear. For example, in verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. and Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. That's a clear allusion to Isaiah 55, verse 1 and following a clear invitation to the salvation that he earned all you got to do is come and drink and he declares in verse 14 blessed are those who wash their robes so that they might have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates what what city is that the new jerusalem described in the last chapter what did we say that the new jerusalem was in the last chapter not a city not a not a not a physical place it's the church it's a population it's the redeemed of God. He says, he says, blessed are those who have been washed clean to be a part of the people of God. Blessed are those who are among the redeemed whose sins have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. That's what he means by have washed their robes. And as we've seen time and time again, the, the outcome of those who neglect that salvation. They're pictured in verse 15, in verse 15 as being outside that blessed state of the, the redeemed which is another reason why there are such repetitions of the truth that he's coming again soon. Repent and believe. You don't know the day. You don't know the hour. So make certain that you know the Lord by repentance and faith in his son so that you aren't among those who, if you remember back to chapter 6, when he returns, you won't be among those who are cry out of the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who's seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Revelation wants the reader to be among those who can confidently agree and eagerly cry out with John at the end of this book, Amen! Come, Lord Jesus. Well, I hope that you have seen in this study through Revelation a number of things that we said at the outset of the study. Um, not just what we said about the nature of numbers and symbols and this and that, but what we said about the main point of the book. The main point of the book is not to be a book of curiosities about the future. Um, The main point is is to be a book for the here and now, as much for the believers in the first century as it is for us in the 21st century. John was writing as a suffering Christian to suffering Christians to encourage them to persevere to the end, assured that Jesus has conquered and all who belong to him by repentance and faith are more than conquerors in him. I'm going to pray, and you've got minutes to spend around your table. I'm so thrilled. All right. Father, thank you so much for uh, this study through Revelation. I, I know this last chapter was was uh, simple and sweet in its message, but, Lord, I pray that uh, through uh, this last chapter, you would help bring to our minds things that we've already learned and the emphasis we've already seen in chapters prior. So I pray that you'd bless our times around our tables. Um, help us to, to sharpen each other in our understanding and in our um, motivation toward godliness. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.